Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is Lighthouse Faith Podcast, moving forward in truth and love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book, Lighthouse Faith. You know, scripture tells us that all things work together for good for those who love God and called according to his purpose. Um, that's Romans 8.28. It, it, it is hard to imagine, though, that anything good could come from the terrorist attack of 9-11. Thousands of lives were lost, souls precious to God, billions of dollars in property destroyed. But, but, 20 years later, there is so much good we can see more clearly now that happened that day. So many unsung heroes risking their own safety to save the lives of others. And hundreds of those heroes came from one of the little known events that happened that day. And it's really, it's the largest boat rescue in modern day history, even more massive than Dunkirk during World War II. It was a spontaneous call to all mariners that helped get um, 500,000 people that were fleeing and fearful off the island of Manhattan after the Twin Towers collapsed. Um, as, Christ, as Christina uh, Stanton writes, on a day that saw the worst of humanity, we also saw some of the best. Those involved in the maritime rescue represented the best of humanity, and we will never forget them. You know, for Christina Stanton, um, she's a, a travel tour guide, actually, in Manhattan, um, that day also brought a renewed faith in Christ. And for Peter Johansson, he was, um, uh, and I'll introduce him just a little bit later, it was a renewed faith in the good that is in humanity. You see, on September 11th, 2001, thousands of people in Manhattan were running for their lives, now thinking the world was coming to an end, that we were at war. After the second plane hit, all the subways were shut down, buses rerouted, the bridges and tunnels were closed to non-emergency vehicles. And understand that this is a city where millions, millions of people use the public transportation daily. And on that day, they could only run. And many wound up in lower, the lower end of the island and they were trapped. And the call went out to all available boats to come rescue those stranded. And it was like a miracle. Christina writes, sightseeing boats and circle line tours, New York waterway ferries, tugboats, water taxis, privately owned dining boats, personal watercraft, fishing boats, party boats, and at least one fireboat. Some of them went back and forth across the harbor all day, dropping off passengers in New Jersey and in Brooklyn and Staten Island and upper Manhattan. It was New York's Dunkirk that day. A half a million people were taken off the island in nine hours by whatever boats were available, and Christina Stanton was one of them. Peter Johansson on that day, he was the director of the ferry operations for the New York Waterway. And he was one of those that sent out the call. And a year ago, uh, Christina reached out to Peter and they developed really a friendship, but they've only met in person today. And they came together for this podcast. And that's why I'm so excited. So Christina uh, Stanton and Peter uh, Johansson, I want to uh, welcome you to Lighthouse Faith Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Lauren. 
Now, I, I know we're not in the same room, but I've got to imagine that seeing each other for the first time had to be something special. I mean, what was it like? Well, for me as an evacuee, looking at somebody who organized something that rescued me on the, the day of September 11th, it was huge because he's an American hero and, and he's, he's, he's one of my heroes. And so for me, it's, um, I've, I've been looking forward to this day for a while. Yeah. Peter, you, you, do you feel like a hero? And I know when, whenever you ask people if they feel like a hero, this is, I'm just doing my job. But really, I'm honestly, to understand the magnitude of what you were involved in. I, I, I shy away from the, the hero label. Uh, that's really something that uh, doesn't really do anything for me. I, I, I am somebody who happened to be at a place where I was able to make an impact and, you know, that's 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 the extent of of it. Um, the let, let me just go a little bit into how things uh, rolled out that morning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, first of all, I, I'll always remember that morning as one of the prettiest days I, I could ever see in New York. Uh, yeah. It's a perfect, perfect day with with you know, hazard blue sky and and. Uh, light breeze. It was, it was everything you could want in a September day. And I was on one of our ferries. I was going south on the Hudson uh, on my way to attend a meeting with the U.S. Coast Guard in Battery Park. And um, I'm on the bridge talking to the captain and I look up over my left shoulder and I watch a plane, the first plane, go into the North Tower. Oh and had, we had about a hundred people on board the ferry at that time, and many of them saw the same exact thing I just saw. And you look at the building, and all you see is a jagged uh, imprint in the side of the building, and your your brain's trying to conceive, you know, what, what size plane was that? We never see planes anywhere near Manhattan skyline. Um, and we continued down, you know, past the building and around the tip of Manhattan, pulled into. Uh, Wall Street Terminal 9-11, I'm sorry, Pier 11, and um, everybody got off that boat and went to work that morning on Wall Street. Even uh, though the plane had just hit the World Trade Center. Exactly. Uh, wow. Nobody, everybody just, this was just a navigation accident, um, and you didn't, like I say, you really couldn't conceive that this was, uh, you know, a, a full-size jet with uh with how much fuel on board and everything else that was going to, to transpire later. Um, but we let the people off. And uh, one of the things that I remember is there was paper coming down, cascading, and it was being blown across from the, uh, from the building. Anything that was on somebody's desk when that plane blew through, it blew, mm-hmm. up, blew out the other side of the building. And so we saw envelopes and memos and all this paper come cascading down as people were walking off the ferry. So we had an empty ferry. We, we, uh, we left there, went back around the tip of Manhattan, and our terminal on the other side of Manhattan was right in front of the World Trade Center or the, the water side of the World Trade Center. Mm-hmm. And uh, already you could see uh, people. Uh, it, it was a floating barge um, that our boats can, can uh nose up to their their front loading ferries mm-hmm. uh, nose up to and because it's floating the same level as the ferry it's an easy walk across there's there's no uh there's no gangway to go up or down you just walk straight across well we got there and the 
interesting. The terminal was was packed with people. Okay, which is not a good thing because you you know you chance overloading that. Uh, so we pulled in, we opened the doors, we we loaded our full com- complement of, of passengers, and at that point I got off there. I went to the top of the um, of the uh, gangway that's leading from the shore to the barge, and started regulating how many people are going to get on that barge based on how big the ship was, the boat that came in to, mm-hmm. to take them away. How many how many people does the, does the boat actually carry? The maximum we had. Two, two classes of boats operating that day. Uh, the one that I took around to, to Wall Street was uh, 150 passenger. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of our line haul vessels that would go straight across between Hoboken and the World Trade Center or Weehawken in Midtown uh, were 400 passenger boats. So we always, and, and I made sure that the guys only loaded what the capacity of the boat was. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the last thing we needed was to have a maritime disaster on top of another disaster. So they sat there with their little clickers, and once they got to 150, shut the doors. And wow. they pull away, and the next boat comes in. And people were great because people could see all these boats waiting their turn to come in and get them. They knew they were going to get away, and um, so there was no panic. There was no uh, mm-hmm. nobody cutting lines. There was, there was none of that. It was very, very orderly. And, you know, here again – we talk about the the best of humanity. That's what I saw that morning is the way people treated each other. When when did the call go out then that we need more boats? You know, we're, we need more boats now um, because this is getting this is serious now. That that's actually the the Coast Guard is the one who initiated that call. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they they have the authority to do that, um, and they put that out uh, from from. Um, uh, their base there on Staten Island. And, uh, you know, it went out on the VHF radio and people, you know, the tugboats in, in the kill van call, they, they threw their lines and came running. You know, you had uh, fishing boats in sheep's head Bay. They came running. You had uh, circle line boats and, and uh, uh, dinner ferry, I mean, dinner uh, excursion boats, everybody came. And, you know, where I was, uh, at the terminal um, by the World Trade Center, that is really meant for front-loading vessels, front-loading ferries, and we had enough boats that we were using that mainly and, and, and very effectively. But down in the battery, there were no terminals uh, that were set up for that. And so that's where most of the other type of boats came down to, the battery and, and just on the uh, – the Hudson River side on the west side, um, and you know, whole different thing. And I, I give the the Coast Guard a lot of credit because they sent their inspectors down to the battery, and a boat would pull in like a tugboat. Now, a tugboat's not normally meant to carry a lot of passengers, right? Right. And but they have tremendous amount of of uh, stability, um, and they had the deck area and that, and the 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 guy would talk to the captain and say, I'm going to authorize you to take 50 people. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is where you're going to take them. And so they had, they kept control over it. It wasn't a, you know, free for all. There was, there was, it was organized. It was, it was organized. Was, in some it way. was organized. And they really, um, they, 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 did it very professionally. So I, I give them a lot of credit. What do the people look like and what were they saying when they got on the boats? They, you know, 
it, it's it's funny. A lot of those people you see every day, you know, they're your regular customers. Um, they're people, you know, I can remember there were guys who worked for the uh, Port Authority. They had buildings and they had offices in the in the World Trade Center. And, you know, they had a ferry division, which we used to work, you know, we used to work together with and go up there for meetings and all that stuff. Well, they're, they're online and we're talking about it, you know, and um, there was a lot of people who the, the information flow, you know, people had transition radios and they're like, you know, they'd all of a sudden come up with, Oh, you know, somebody hit the Pentagon, you know, they, it was, you know, a lot of things going on that, that were just popping up. And were people scared? Were they, were they, you know, crying? Were they, you know what? In, 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 up in, it was totally different when the second plane hit, the dynamics changed mm-hmm. prior to that, you know, Every time that there was any disruption at the World Trade Center or at the path station below the World Trade Center, the if you worked in those buildings and if you took the tra- the path train home every night, you knew that if the path train had a problem, you went to the ferries because that was your other way home. Right. And so, you know, a lot of people just their knee-jerk reaction, get on the ferry line, okay? And they were organized and everything else. All of a sudden, when that second plane hit, because we could – I was watching it come around – this, you know, the South kind of go around the Statue of Liberty and then back up and into that building, that changed everything because now you know you were under attack. It was no longer, uh, it, it no longer could could be a navigation accident. Right. And it was really, then it was kind of scary because it's like, who is attacking us? And, you know, I would say shortly thereafter, a couple of minutes after the second plane hit, you heard fighter jets. You never hear fighter jets in New York. And then you're like, are those ours or are they somebody else's? And, you know, it was it was kind of um, kind of scary. But by the same token, you know, we had a focus. We had all these people online, thousands of people online. And we had boats coming in, filling up, getting out and leaving. And it was that never stopped, even when the second plane hit. Um, and that was just our, that was just, you know, we had one, one thing to worry about. And that was, you you know, Christina, you were one of those people evacuated. How did you know that there was a boat? So when my husband and I found ourselves on the, by the coastline, we had evacuated there. The twin towers came down, covered us with dust and debris And we just didn't know what was coming next. We had heard rumors that more planes were on the way, more attacks were going to happen. And and there were several hundred of us that I could personally see. It turns out there were several thousand just around my particular area. I just looked around. Everybody was so scared and terrified. And we were all right by the Hudson. And we all saw fireboats coming up the Hudson. And people started screaming at them, stop, come get us. Uh-huh. And they wouldn't. They they kept up um, going up the Hudson, you know, of course, to try to um, stop the, the, the fires from from the Hudson. And um, but people were screaming at them. And so we, we just kind of we knew that we were trapped and was which was a terrible feeling and didn't know what to do. There's no we, we were out of land. We were out of places to go. And we still felt that we were right in the midst of potentially more attacks. And then all of a sudden I did look out on the water and saw all of these boats coming up. And 
I had no idea that the Coast Guard had issued a, a radio call. I had no idea why they were coming up, but they started coming up alongside the, the I guess you'd call it the seawall and yeah. um, throwing. So I just saw people getting into lines and we just got into a line because everybody else was. We weren't even sure what was happening. We just saw people get into line and we were assuming they're getting a we're getting into a line to get off the island. And the only thing we cared about was getting up and off. We just, that's the only thing that mattered at that particular time. So I remember a tugboat coming up and filling up. I was hoping to get on it, um, but it filled up and went away. And I thought, oh my goodness, we're going to be waiting here for a while. And, but right behind it ended up uh, was a white New York um, waterway um, ferry. And we got on that one. And I just remember thinking I was so relieved. It's like, we're going to be taken off of this godforsaken Island <laughs> that is under a vicious attack. And we're going to be going to safety. And to tell you the truth, I wasn't aware what took place, why boats came, what was the setup and organization. I, I really didn't care what the backstory was at the time. I wanted to get off the island. That was the goal. That's what I cared about. It wasn't until the aftermath and the months and the years after 9-11 that I was curious, how did how did that happen, um, that we were taken away off of Manhattan? And, and to tell you the truth, I felt like um, I looked everywhere for information, and it took several years for information to come mm-hmm. out of, of exactly what the backstory was. And when it did come out, I was just fascinated. I was like, wow. I was yeah. the largest boat evacuation in history. I was a, I was an evacuee on something that was historic, and and um, and that just uh, that thrilled me and and interested me of of I wanted to know everything about it because it, it is a fascinating story. Yeah, we're going to take a break right now here on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. I want to talk about when we come back. I want to talk about the faith element because there is an incredible moment. Um, crystallized in my mind, and I'm sure in yours as as well. Um, But we'll be right back uh, with Christina Stanton and Peter Johansson. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. All right, we're back on Lighthouse Faith Podcast with Christina Stanton and Peter Johansson. And Christina is one of the half a million people that was evacuated and rescued from the island of Manhattan on uh, 9-11, uh, 20 years ago. And Peter Johansson is part of um, the, the, the water ferries. Uh, he was the director of the, of the ferry system. Is that right, Peter? That's correct. Uh, back then as well. And he was part of the maritime, this biggest maritime rescue in modern day history, really. This is bigger than Dunkirk. This is bigger than the, you know, the um, allies, you know, rescuing the allies forces on, on the French, uh, on the French coast there when they called out because they were surrounded. This was bigger. And the thing that's interesting, Christina, your story is so fascinating and so powerful because I remember reading in your book, when you called in, um, out of the shadow of 9-11, the faith you found that day. And you were running, you were running in a nightgown, nothing else on underneath, um, and, you know, left with whatever you had on your body that morning. And you and your husband 
were running and you were covered with this dust. And at one point you ask him, you're at the, you're really at the, the lower end of Manhattan and you have no place to go. You're trapped. And you say to your, ask your husband, are we going to die? And that, that is something no one ever faces when they wake up in the morning thinking, is this the day I die? And his response to you at that day was just to, to recite the Lord's prayer. Yes. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Yes. And it was after that prayer, somehow you find that boat. It was like this whole idea is like, no, we're not going to die this day. You know? Well, really, you know, in hindsight, looking back at that, yes, my husband and I essentially said goodbye to each other. We, uh, we thought that that was our, our last moments on this earth. We prayed together. And even though I grew up Christian, I, I really had fallen away from the faith years, maybe I, even really a decade before. And so when we were praying, I, I was wondering like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm praying to, to a God that I haven't called upon uh, since I was a kid, you know, and it, it, contemplating our death, I was wondering, well, it, 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 is Brian and I going to go to the same afterlife together or where is afterlife? I was asking all these questions that I never, I never found time to ask or cared about to tell you the truth. Um, and, and here I was at age 31, my husband's 35 looking at, we were newlyweds looking at my husband thinking I just married him and, and I moved to Manhattan and my life is about to be over. And, you know, in hindsight, I'm looking at it that God answered that prayer in the form of this boat evacuation. I prayed for, I prayed that we would survive it. And the answer prayer was this boat evacuation. And I, I find that amazing. And once I realized that, it's just, it's, it's, it's really a miracle to me. I mean, Peter, do you feel like you're just part of this miracle? I mean, um, I, don't, I, I mean, this is, I mean, all things happen. I believe that all things happen for good. Um, and, and on that day, you know, I mean, now reflecting on that day, do you have this uh, understanding of faith a little bit more because of that day or not? Yeah. One of the things that it, that it brought home to me was the fact that I, I was part of God's plan that I was there. And, you know, if I go back a year prior to that, um, I began this job at New York Waterway in September of 2000. And I had left a job that I, you know, that I liked very much, but had the opportunity to, to come to something challenging. And I was on that job for six weeks when one of our ferries suffered a, uh, a fire on board that, mm -hmm basically burned it burned the burned the ferry totally there were eight people on board they all got off safe and what that did was it opened up the eyes to my new bosses that the people did not have the training and skills to to deal with that to deal with that fire on board the vessel and so over the course of the next year we 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 took everybody who worked as a as a uh, captain or a deckhand and sent them down for a week's training in in uh, shipboard firefighting in rescues um, in first aid CPR all that stuff and by the time that nine eleven happened I had a great group of people that were trained and could respond to any emergency and they wow. they were there so. God put me in a place. He gave me the the 
the tools and ability to, to, to get the people trained. And I was able to watch and respond, you know, watch them respond to that emergency. And they did terrific. So that's what I take from this is that, you know, you're being asked to do something, but he also gave me the, the, the resources to do it and get it done. So I was put in the right place at the right time and was able to uh, have an impact. But it, but this this impact you've had did not come without sacrifice. What people don't realize is that in the air down in lower Manhattan, that was toxic. And so you were coming back and forth, bringing rescuing people, getting them off the island, and you have now suffered some health issues because of it. Is that right? That's correct. Um, when when the first when the tower first tower came down, basically. I was in the cloud, okay, of all the dust and debris. We had people on the on the terminal, the floating barge, had to take them off and move them up the seawall to, to fresh air, um, and then be, you know continue evacuating. We went back again to the terminal and used that again until the second building came down, and once again we were in the cloud. And uh, so that exposure to the toxic dust um, came back, uh, I guess, 13 years later. In, uh, in, in 2014, I was diagnosed with uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, stage four, and oh, um, went through uh, chemotherapy and, and radiation uh, successfully and have been in remission ever since. Uh, but it was very... Um, it was a very dicey time back in 2014. Yeah. How, how many people, how many people do you think were involved in the maritime rescue? I mean, in terms of doing the boat rescue, I mean, the people manning the boats or people well, in the boats. It, just in, in New York waterway, uh, we had over a hundred people uh, doing it. Uh, we had about 22, 23 boats in operation that day. Um, and, you know, the, the Coast Guard estimates, you know, well, it's funny because the Coast Guard, they had a uh, ceremony a few years later where they recognized the people who were involved in the boat lift. Uh, and I, I know it was over 500. So it was um, it was a lot of people. Uh, it was a lot of boats. Uh, a lot of them were even, you know, personal um, cabin cruisers and, and catamarans and all these other things, you know. It's amazing how people, when they when they saw the emergency, responded to it, and uh, uh, you know, instead of a lot of people, they see you know they see a disaster, they go the opposite direction, and and mariners uh, answer the call. They're they're it's bred into them to be uh, you know when you're out at sea uh, and you have an emergency on your boat and you put out an SOS, uh, it, it's just uh, the, the law of the sea that you answer that SOS. And Lauren, I have read, there's been a couple of books written about the boat evacuation. I've read that potentially around 150 boats um, responded and potentially around 800 mariners. Mm. I think, I think um, it might be even really hard to gauge how many, because it was, it was just, it was organized, but kind of a chaos, right? Because people just, they just responded. Right. You, I, it's, I think it, that would be a hard thing to account for, but that's those are some statistics I, I, I've read. 
Do you know how many people have had these health issues because, you know, they went back, they kept going back and forth and back and forth. I mean, they didn't just rescue one one group of people. I mean, they they dropped them off in New Jersey or wherever um, and came back. Well, not, got only, more. not only that, I mean, there, there's, there's certainly there's an exposure that day, but you have to realize that, you know, for the next months, for the next several months, uh, the only way the path was still out, um, the only way to, to commute down to downtown Manhattan uh, was by ferry. And, you know, the Port Authority built a whole new terminal down off the battery. And uh, there was a big increase in ferry operations. Uh, you know, prior to 9-11, our average uh, daily ridership was about 35,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the months following, it was 70,000. Wow. And we had to charter in all kinds of uh, boats to take the extra uh, amount. And that was still when they, I mean, those, those, the, the smoke continued for, for months and uh, certainly for weeks. And, you know, some of our people who worked those terminals and were there every day, day in and day out, we lost them. And Lauren, I've, I've read up a little bit that it's, it's something that um, that's hard to track but for sure, they know that there have been several boat captains, boat operators that that developed cancer that they know is 9-11 related. And it's just, it's a hard, I think it's just, it's hard to keep track of all that. But also take into account that COVID has hit a lot of those people hard. Yeah. And, and a, a lot of those boat operators, boat captains have died because their uh, immune systems were compromised through 9-11 and they ended up dying um, from a bad case of COVID. So um, it's for sure it's happened. Just I don't think that, that anybody has the definitive on the numbers. You know, it really is um, very sad and very, um, very disheartening, but also uplifting to understand that so many people did so they didn't know what the consequences were going to be, but they, they have to imagine that putting themselves in harm's way was going to have some kind of lingering effects. Um, is there any kind of, is there, is there any, yeah, is there any kind of um, memorial or um, monument dedicated to that boat rescue yet? I'm not aware of any. I've never heard of any. Maybe we could start one, huh? <laughs> And Lauren, I, I do want to make the point again that that they knew they were putting themselves in harm's way because there was still talk of more attacks. Yes. So that I think at, at the time that was on everybody's mind, whether it was us as evacuees or you know the boat owners, boat, boat operators, is that we were in the midst of an attack that we didn't know was going to end with the second building coming down. We thought, right, you had no idea. You had no idea. We, we heard a lot of rumors that, um, I had personally heard a rumor that uh, a plane had hit the United Nations, a plane had gone down in Times Square, a plane was on the way to hit the Statue of Liberty. There was all kind of rumors going around that this was the beginning of a bunch of, of yeah. planes going down. And and, and so... Um, well, I think that, that was actually possible. I mean, I think one of the things the terrorists did not count on is that they would just ground every plane in the United States. That was, and, and that's one of the things we don't know for sure. Um, how many targets were there actually? Um, and be, because they just grounded every flight, um, it, we don't know what the potential was. 
Uh, it could have been, and it, it could have been much, much, much worse. Um, I, wa- I wanted to know, though, this is a, something I, when you got on that boat, Christina, what was it like for you? What was your, I mean, were you like, you were just grateful, but what were, and what were the emotions of the other people on the boat that got on with you? I remember it very well. When we got on the boat, and by the way, that was kind of a funky thing getting on the boat. Because got to understand that when these boats came up to the seawall, this was not a, a loading area. Right. It was, right. There was a curved railing that we had to pitch ourselves from to get into the boat, which I think I had, I think I had estimated our particular ferry was um, the, do- uh, the the top of the uh, the boat was like seven feet below like this railing so Mm. we were literally pitching ourselves and i remember there was two guys that were helping to load people and lower them onto the 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 deck and i remember so so i was with my husband and we had our dog and so they loaded the dog first i remember one guy asked my husband and i does this dog bite I was so out of it and such in shock that I didn't understand why he was asking that question. (laughs) Thank goodness my husband had his wits together and he says, no, he doesn't bite. So they took uh, Gabriel and, and, and pitched him onto the the deck and then was my turn. And I had to balance myself on that railing before they, they took my arms and lowered me down. I remember one guy saying to the other guy, Hey man, watch the ladies skirt. And I was wearing kind of like one of those, a nightgown is what I was wearing. And I remember looking at him thinking, who's wearing a skirt? I'm not, I'm not wearing a skirt. Why, why are we caring about skirt wearing right now? And again, I was so out of it. But again, a hindsight was I really appreciated, you know, that guy when I least felt like a lady in my life, he was trying to observe, you know, trying to preserve my modesty, which, you know, in that, when I'm completely yellow in a nightgown. I was wearing no shoes that he was trying to do that for me. That, that still, that still brings a tear to my eye because I just thought that was the sweetest gesture that I totally didn't (laughs) appreciate at the time. But once we got into the boat and my husband pitched himself uh, in, we, I remember going up to the top uh, deck and there was, uh, I estimated about 200 of us in the boat. Mm -hmm. And one thing I remember is nobody was talking. Nobody said a word, at least in my boat. Nobody was saying anything. And I remember looking at everybody and noticing everybody was in all these different states of dress. There was animals on the boat. There were, there were women in workout clothes. There were, there were women in suits. There were men in suits. There were, there were people who were bloodied. There were people who were wearing professional attire that was shredded. Uh, I do remember watching one woman cry. I remember seeing another man who was completely bloodied, who was staring out at the water as if he was in some kind of a trance. But I really took in all those scenes and thinking that we were all in just, we had all been in different places that morning and had experienced the attacks in different ways. And we, some people were at work. Maybe some of those people were in the twin towers and had escaped. Um, others were students there, you know, there was 50,000 students in, in lower Manhattan. So there was kids on the boat. There were, there were animals, there were cats, there were dogs. We were, we all represented all of the people of lower Manhattan who needed to be rescued off that island for, for our own health and safety. And, uh, but we were a, a cross section of who was 
in, in lower Manhattan that day who got caught in this really a crossfire. And, um, but yeah, it was very quiet. No one was talking. And I remember as we pulled away and we went across the Hudson, we got dropped off in Paulus Hook, New Jersey. I just remember looking at lower Manhattan that was completely covered in a yellow and black and white cloud. And you couldn't even see the buildings. It was completely covered in dust and just being so glad to get out of that hellhole. I remember thinking, I'm like, I've, I'm saved. I've been rescued. And it was 12 o'clock. And so we'd literally been running around in that dust and, and dodging debris and covered in debris, you know, for, for quite a while before being rescued off. So by the time we were rescued, um, I just was so thankful and so happy. And as we pulled away, we, we went across the Hudson. I remember looking back thinking, that's, that's, a, that's hell. That was, that's hell on earth. I'm watching. And also very, I was very aware that People were still running around, not able to breathe, covered with dust, and they hadn't been rescued off the island yet. And I remember praying, like, I just prayed that the, this boat turns around and goes to pick more people up and to rescue them in the same desperate situation I was in. And the boat did. Uh, pulled off, I dropped us off in New Jersey, turned right around and, and went right back across the Hudson to pick more people up. And that's what I remember. Wow. Um, this is a fascinating, fascinating um part of 9-11, but it's such a, it's, it, it, it is so uplifting as well. Um, and I know there've been several uh, things written about it. I talk about a couple of books have been written about it, but um, I urge people to, to do more uh, research on this. And I would urge anyone to really start some kind of monument to the boat rescue, because um, as like I said, this is, this is our Dunkirk. This was really a call to arms and saying, rescue people who in the morning, just were living, living their lives. I mean, all of these people, and you, and you reg, and you say something, Christina, that's really important too. All of these people in different stages of their lives, in different parts of the world, from different parts of culture, but they're all on this boat made in the image of God. And yes. this is the thing that really is an in, um, intensifies the understanding that God had a hand in this. Um, that He says, "No, I'm, I'm going to rescue my people," and. It's not going to depend on age or color or socioeconomic level. It's just going to be because they're my people um, yep. and I'm going to get them out. Um, I want to thank you both. Peter Johansson, I want to thank you so much. Um, and Christina Stan, and I could talk to you forever and talk about this, but there is a, a, a an actual video, um, a 15 minute video. Of, I, I think it's on vice, vice.com or vice. Um, that actually has one of the stories and, and shows Peter talking about this event. You can see more pictures of it there. Um, I would encourage people to, to watch it because it's really just fascinating um, to understand what happened that day. You know, so much focus has, has been on the terrorists and um, and also on, of course, you know, the um, first responders as it should be and the first responders deaths. And that's a horrible tragedy, but there is, these are these heroes, these unsung heroes that came from that moment. And we'd like to celebrate this on the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. And I thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to Lighthouse Faith Podcast. I'm Lauren Green. Have a blessed, blessed day. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear Podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.